Hello and welcome to another Media Snack Meets. This one is an extended special, so please do stay to the end. My guest this week is Andrew Sussman, who is the co-founder and COO of the Institute for Advertising Ethics. Hi guys. Hello, Hello gentlemen. Where are you? There you are. Welcome to Media Snack Meets where we get to meet the individuals and organizations doing great work to inspire success and drive change through the global media and marketing industry. Because the best are short on time, we ask just six questions in 15 minutes. We get to learn what is behind the success, what it takes to make change in the industry, and what the rest of us can learn from that experience. Please subscribe to get alerts of all upcoming guest episodes. Hey, Andrew. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good to see you. Good to see you. Um, so as I mentioned in the intro, we're, we're doing a very special. We're breaking our protocol here, which says the best are short on time with 15 minutes or less. Um, and you are amongst the very best. But we're going to extend this episode a little because we want to talk about you first off. But also we, we want to go a bit deeper on the Institute for Advertising Ethics, which is a, a great organization which you co-founded. Um, and so we'll do a little bit more about that at the end, because I think it's really important for people to understand what that is and what they can do to support it if they like the idea. Thank you. Good. Uh, cool. So let's just kick off straight to the first question. Um, so just for those that don't know you, um, uh, Andrew, what is it you do? And I, I know that there can be many things that you're proud of uh, because you've, you've had such a beautifully positive impact on the industry uh, so far, but um, what is there anything particular that sticks out for you that you're so proud of that you've achieved? That, that I'm so proud of that I'm doing. It's, it, it, it's um, the first pride was in the company Studio One, which created the first context marketing, one of the first context marketing companies with P&G and offered credible information to people where P&G made it clear that they were the sponsors. We distributed this information. It was very soft sell, and it ended up returning $4.20 on an MMM basis, according to P&G, for every dollar invested. That proved that advertising done right could create gratitude, could deliver information, could be helpful, could also return. I was really proud of that. And that we uh, P&G awarded the company a... Uh, a citation at the FTC as most transparent. And so that was the proof point. And I was inspired by a mentor of mine, Bob Blackmore, who is a kind of handshake man, who's the executive vice president at NBC and who traded billions of dollars on handshakes. And when Jack Welch, the head of GE, bought NBC and called Bob and asked where the contracts were, Bob said, what contracts? Because everything was done on trust, and it's a very different time. So those sorts of things have inspired me, and I'm also very proud of what we're doing here through the IAE because it's such an opportunity of a lifetime. Uh, I'm serving as the COO of the Institute, working with Wally Snyder and Linda Thomas-Brooks and the Advisory Council and the board. Uh, it's super interesting because unlike previous situations it's 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 compiling the advertisers government and civil society which have previously not talked to each other so i'm proud of those things 
Very good. And we'll come on to talk more about, as I mentioned, the Institute for Advertising Ethics as well, specifically because uh, it's amazing work that you're doing to pull together representation across the industry. Um, I, I don't want you to spend your life in the doom and gloom of the challenges of advertising, particularly. But just let's start with the let's start with the the positives. You've you've been involved in media and marketing all the time. So, what what about working in media has been the best for you so far? One of the distinguishing features of this industry that's so beautiful and unique versus being a banker or a lawyer or a consultant or whatever other options new hires new graduates want to do is it combines the right brain and the left brain. Um, it combines creativity and analytic functions. And in my own life, uh, I was uh, a, a product of a professor of psychology and a lawyer. And uh, my mother, the professor of psychology, tried to understand people in a quantitative way. And my father, who was a lawyer, was trying to persuade people and those that combination of the the applied psychology of understanding why it was for instance when i came to new york and started working in this business that an envelope which was slightly darker pink or less burgundy would consistently get seven percent higher response what made people move and Th that is endlessly fascinating, understanding what what makes people move. And also in terms of having the power to persuade people, if you have ideas that you believe in and you're trained to communicate them, you can have a positive impact in ways that you believe are right. So those are joys. Those are joys of this industry. And the people are fun. The yeah. people are full of fun and lunches and tickets or should be. <laughs> uh, so to flip that, the, the biggest challenges uh, for the industry, I mean, you get to look under the hood of quite a lot of stuff here, so I'm sure the list is long, but on a, on a broad basis, what are, what are our big challenges as an industry? I think one of the, 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 the giant challenge is, uh, is a kind of an awareness challenge to move from, we've talked about this, to move from an intellectual knowledge of what the issues are. Oh, we're affecting self-esteem. Oh, we're funding disinformation. Oh, let's study this to a more practical knowledge. That would be the difference between me intellectually telling you that I know that a seatbelt is good in a car and I should wear one versus the practical knowledge of having been in an accident and harmed and having really internalized that knowledge. Yeah. So the challenge is for people to get that level of awareness and to develop that sense of urgency and then, and then out of that to create new norms and new governance structures that are novel and that pertain to what's going on now, just like was done in previous generations. Yeah, yeah, very good. Uh, I think that applies to so many of the areas. There's lots of talking, isn't there? And sometimes people need a really clear framework or an idea of how, how they can act. Because I think we all want the same thing. There is. Uh, Lots of talking, but the consumer has unprecedented power. What Wally calls consumer information power to affect things. Yeah. The consumer has been made aware of what's happening. The consumer is making it a Congress aware. 
Congress is making those companies aware. The FTC is suing these companies. So there's a lot of wet cement and the opportunity to change things now because of the government pressure. Very good. Uh, I'm looking forward to this one. So give me some leadership advice, something either that you tell others. Every time I sit with you, I always come away with some nugget of joy that I scribble down somewhere and I think that's really helpful. Um, or, or something that has been said to you that, that sticks with you and has guided you. I, I, this sounds unbelievably basic, but it, what was, it, it was told to me by my mentor when we were starting our business. Um, and it relates to another one. So the, the advice is this to young people uh, who are starting businesses, which is sell something and the rest will follow because so much is time is, is spent um, thinking and postulating on what will happen. Get out uh, and talk to customers. Any time spent with a customer, no time spent with a customer is wasted. Mm. Um, yeah, I guess I'm going to go into a few. When you're talking to a customer, if the customer opens their, starts to talk, opens their mouth or moves their lip, shut up because they're about to tell you something important um set time limits on meetings and respect them stand up if you've said 30 minutes at 30 minutes and offer to leave people really um show genuine respect for the person that you're having time with because know that that person has a lot of other people that would like to see them um, those are i guess some of the things that i've been told that i value um and uh you know, what I learned from Bob Blackmore was, as a handshake man, that if you, if you, if you grow yourself in this business and you do it in a, in a trustworthy way, it may take longer. It could take longer. But at the end, you will be so much more stable and people will love you. And this is what I saw when he went around to agencies, an 80-something-year-old man in agencies. People love it, and people are coming up. <laughs> this, 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 I guess the final thing that I would say to you, and, and it relates here too, out of the punching area, uh, but out of the punchy area is right is being shown to make might, not the other way around. And that's being shown in areas, theaters of war around the world, that when people feel that they're doing the right thing, they have more energy, they yeah. have more intent, they want to work there, they want to make things happen. And so that is a real motivator and people should be aware of that. Good, I love those. There's a small book there to be written, I think. Um, okay, outside of your multi-year crusade, let's call it, to push transparency, trust, integrity, ethics into our industry um where would we find you where do we find andrew when you're not thinking about these things or to relax well passions would include my uh wonderful woman and new fiance samadhi zuluaga visiting with cousins and family as much as possible as i grow older swimming as much as possible um, being with animals as much as possible, though uh, reading uh, classics as much as possible. There's a great, I, I have limited time to read, so that's what I'm focusing on. 
uh, is a great phrase, which I think a lot of people could use, which is if you only read classics, you'll never be out of date. <laughs> and I think that a lot of the things that we're doing here are so familiar if, if, if you read those. So many of the, you know, the, the themes of ambition, the themes of creating uh, uh, things and going forward without thinking of implications, the themes of reasoned intuition, all of these things mm. are talked about. Very good. Very good. Okay, so finally, so before we come on to talk, we'll talk specifically a bit more about the Institute for Advertising Ethics, which I really want people to know more about. Um, just broadly, hope for the year ahead. We've mentioned some of the challenges that we're facing. I think we're aware of lots of these things and we have our own. Um, but a year from now, where would you like us to have got to as an industry? Well, a year from now, what I'd like the IAE to have accomplished is to have 10,000 certified individuals in essentially every comp every major advertising company and many of the minor advertising con companies in the country having been certified and on that track and then connected to each other as a community of practice. Some portion of those people will emerge as caring the most and will act as first responders uh, and will help to lead their companies in those directions with frameworks and toolkits that we'll be providing through an ethics cloud to certificates. That is where I'd like us to be in a year. I'd like us to also uh, be helping people on, an, uh, on, a, on a spot basis when problems emerge uh, uh, confidentially uh, to help uh, be a private place that people can discuss confidential concerns. I'd like us to provide a reference point for the young person who goes into the business and is sitting at an agency where he's doing something or she's doing something that makes her feel uncomfortable, that she thinks is wrong, where she can now go in and talk to management about the fact that she's just taken the certification course that they provided her with and that she's noticed something. To arm people with the ability to arm the people that are, are doing the work and at the point the decisions are being made, that I, I want to see that in the thousands. Yeah. Um, be very satisfying. It's already starting to happen. We see this starting to happen. So it's 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 super inspiring. You see, you know, law had, as we talked earlier, uh, law, medicine, architecture engineering have all had certifications, ethical certification systems. We haven't, especially for the last 20 years. Meanwhile, the tech systems have magnified many of the problems. And so that's the opportunity. There's also an opportunity in ESG when these risks start to become, the risks of advertising start to become more apparent and companies start to uh, use this as a basis for deciding where they might invest. You've seen companies who haven't necessarily done illegal things, but who have done unethical things being called out and seeing their equity hampered, an ethical overhang. In their <laughs> okay, so that's that's a good ambition. There's lots to do there. I think now, as we let's come on and talk about the institute specifically, so we got to know you a little bit more. Um, so first, so 
explained a little bit about what it is, but why is it? In, why do we need this? Why do we need this? Why? Why is this the right way to go? And why? Why now? Have we hit a peak issue that's triggered the need for this? Right. So none of what we're seeing exists in a historical vacuum. In the at the turn of the century, print also had bad actors, people selling false powders for cures, land, swamps, and so on. People got mad. They started to call Congress, and the industry began to fix itself and push out those bad actors so it could exist, uh, which it did. The same thing happened in broadcast, which had commercial acceptance procedures. Uh, and quality procedures that were attached to commercials that were running on their air. Uh, we don't, in the last 20 years, there's been a bit of a self-regulatory implosion. There, the, the, the tech has rushed onwards. The, te the systems of modern advertising have rushed onwards, but they're unaccompanied by any ethical spurs whatsoever. So none of this should, should really be unexpected. And is this, it is the historical pattern. Uh, the reason that we're needed is because of the self-regulatory implosion. The Similar to after FINRA, where there was a lack of trust in the marketplace, causing a lot of damage to people in the marketplace and on the receiving end of the marketplace, A entity was created that was not of the industry but included the industry. And that's the, what the 501c3 nonprofit educational foundation designation for the IAE is. The ANA the four A's, the AAF, the IAB, TAG, and all of those organizations are 501c6s. They're legally obligated. Legal. It is their job to lobby for their industry. That means lobbying for the whole industry. That means all practices of mo that are a majority of the market. Hmm. Our situation, we're not so obligated we're not here to represent the industry we're here to represent a certain point of view of what the industry can become that's more responsible that people on the marketplace side like proctor like anheuser-busch uh, like microsoft like twitter like hp and mastercard believe to be in the interests of a, of a mature marketplace um but we don't have to include, we don't have to represent everyone, just a point of view. And that's what we're trying to educate about. And that's where we're moving. Um, so that is a very important uh, uh, separation. The other important separation is this, that most certifications that have been offered are corporate, corporate certifications. This company passes whatever criteria is applied. The IAE is a 501c3 nonprofit educational foundation issuing certifications to professionals, not corporations, as opposed to 501c6s who are issuing uh, certifications to corporations. Yeah. That, yeah. That's that, that a key difference. And as a result, we're able to, as a result of including all the parties, including academia, we're able to achieve synergies and get and cooperation from academia and from civil society that may not have been possible from strict industry lobbyist groups. Yeah. And so those designations are important 
and separate the Institute for Advertising Ethics as a different entity. So we, we shouldn't think of it as like another trade body initiative necessarily, although they, they themselves are all doing great work, but for their constituents, um, you're able to sit across that or independent of that. And many of those brands that you mentioned, those brands that you mentioned, they are founding members of the IAE, correct? These are all they are. brands. So they are. With, with many, many. Uh, others involved and following. Correct. Um, so who, who else is involved? So you've got brands, you've got uh, agencies, you mentioned Twitter. Have you got you got full representation, do you think you feel across the industry or representation, not full representation? Well, the market participants uh, are the folks we mentioned, the advertisers, some of the media sellers like Microsoft and Twitter, the IRIs of the world that some of the data providers um, uh, Brian O'Kelly, uh, a former ad techer mm-hmm. and now proprietor of Scope 3. Uh, those are the kind of the market participant folks. The second piece, which is just as important as the first piece, are is government. So we have the last three FTC ad regulators who are on our advisory council, as well as a former general counsel, acting general counsel of the FTC, David Shonka. And so these are the people that are also helping to inform our point of view. And then finally, we have academia. We built this to an academic standard with the University of Texas at Austin. People must pass. People will fail. (laughs) It is not a pay-for-play situation. It's to an academic standard, which is the reason, and as a point of pride, that this certification is now being issued alongside the curriculum at University of Missouri, the University of Illinois, at the Texas State University, at Arizona, et cetera, et cetera, so that these kids who want to be in advertising and will be at Google or Twitter or Proctor next year will come with ethics built in, which will be the ultimate achievement. When in two or three years, most of the people coming into the industry come with this built in. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's a it's a great long term play, isn't it? To change the incoming sentiment, right. in the industry and challenge conventions uh, within the industry already. Uh, so already well supported. Uh, but this is just the beginning. So where do you and, and I'm proud to be supportive of your of your council and getting certified. They keep reminding me, getting certified, and I want our team to get certified as well. It's, it's beyond the individual. We want corporates to to pick this up, um, and we want individuals to encourage their companies to allow all employee certification, those that want to, that like the, like the uh, sound of it. Um, but wh- where do we go from here? What, what can we do? What should we be asking Media Snack viewers? How can we get involved a bit more to support this? The very best thing that you can do is to go take the certification yourself. See what you think of it. If you believe in it and you're proud of that designation and you'd like to advance this, ask your company's HR or learning and development people to make it available to the rest of your organization. That's the very best thing that you can do. Call us at any time and we're open to talk to anyone at any time, really as well good um so you'll find below this episode if you check in the show notes in the description we'll link to the to the institute website but also we'll link to where you can sign up for certification as well and as andrew said 
would highly recommend that you think about doing that for your own personal uh, investment and development. It's what we need in the industry. Uh, and if you like that, do encourage, get your friends, neighbors, and colleagues, and your bosses to encourage more and more people to go. And if you are in the process of studying with a view of advertising or marketing as a career, or you're thinking about advertising or marketing as a career, um, then some of those those colleges, and I'm assuming more in time, will adopt this as certification as, as, as part of marketing and advertising programs. We want people coming into the industry already pre-programmed to think to think yes. in ethical ways. That's That would be a great outcome and a huge yes. legacy. Installing an ethical chip. Yeah. We're in development. <laughs> um, Andrew Sussman. Uh, co-founder and COO of the Institute for Advertising Ethics. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Tom, for including us and for everything you do, really. Thank you. Thank you. Who would you like to meet on future episodes? Please let us know in the comments below. Subscribe to the Media Snack channel, where you will also find previous guests, including leading marketing executives from companies like P&G, Uber, LVMH, Mars, Ikea, and many more. Plus, some of the industry's most provocative thought leaders, such as Belinda Smith, Sir Martin Sorrell, Wendy Clark, Gary Vaynerchuk, and Professor Mark Ritson. You can also get alerts to hear about upcoming new guests. If you liked this episode and think someone else would, then please share it. Thanks so much for watching. See you next time.